0: I'm Carly Fiorina, and this is By Example.
1: Hi, I'm Casey Enders, and welcome back to By Example. For those of you who don't know, I serve as the CEO of Carly's Charitable Foundation, Unlocking Potential. Our mission at Up is to build the leadership capacity of nonprofit organizations and their teams. As we wrap up season two of By Example, I want to thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with your colleagues, friends, and family. On most episodes of By Example, you hear Carly talk to a special guest about what real leadership is and what it isn't. We hear stories from people you know, like former Secretary of State Colin Powell and Super Bowl winning NFL head coach Tony Dungy, as well as from people you may not know, like lobbyist Kayla McKeon and six-year-old Austin Pirine. To end season two, we're going to try something a little bit different today. The work we do at Unlocking Potential takes us across the country to teach Carly's leadership philosophy to nonprofit staff members, from large nonprofits to small community-based nonprofits and everything in between. Regardless of who the participants are, what their title is or what their level is, or what specific leadership skills they're trying to build, we've found that one of the most effective ways to deliver the curriculum is to have the participants ask Carly questions live. Any questions. Because the curriculum is based off of Carly's career and experiences, the answers to questions provide valuable insight into her views on leadership, and they often touch on topics we may not get to during our regularly scheduled programming, but topics that really matter to folks who are leading and solving problems every day. So in that spirit, on this episode of By Example, we're going to share a Q&A session with you directly. Earlier this year, Carly was the honored guest at the 8th Annual Women Leading Women Forum at the University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. At the event, she was asked a variety of great questions from the audience. Those questions ranged from business to public policy. We loved the great questions she got asked and the new insights on leadership that we heard from Carly, and we wanted to share them with you. So in this episode, you'll hear those questions and answers. Thanks again for listening this season. On behalf of Carly and the team, we hope you enjoy the episode and wish you a very happy holiday season.
2: Hello, Leah Jones, uh, Maryland undergrad alumni, business school. I wrote an essay on you, actually, to get into oh, the business school. So, um, thank well, you. I'm
0: glad you got in. That been a double whammy for it Maryland. worked out.
2: So, um, but thank you for being here. You're truly an inspiration to you know all people, not just women. But my question is about criticism. I work with male car- counterparts, and when I have been criticized or feedback, I think they would call it feedback, but, you know, depending on how you what take it. What would you call it? <laughs> depends on the day and my mood. But my question is, that the feedback that I get is, you're being defensive in response to criticism. Now, I've talked to other women, and this is, is kind of a ca- common theme. When women tend to be more defensive as they are receiving uh, feedback, whereas, you know, I think sometimes the perception with a male counterpart to feedback isn't perceived that way. So that's my own bias. But what I want to ask you, because I'm sure you have some thoughts about that, is what do you recommend in order to, you know, accept the criticism, to be strong, to be perceived well by your male or female
0: counterparts? And um, that's my question. So the reason I ask, is it criticism or feedback? So Sometimes I think the feedback that women or someone else who's different for another reason gets is around asking someone to be more like the norm. A lot of times, feedback women get is actually about being more like a man. It's an issue of style. So, in my day, by the way, there was this book called How to Dress for Success and then there was the version how to dress for success for women and the book advised that we should try to look as much like men as possible seriously so while we couldn't wear pants that was before pants but you had to wear a very severe dark suit a white shirt perhaps blue buttoned to the throat a little bow tie i actually dressed like that for quite some time until i said this is absurd That's an example of, that's how I was dressed when I went to the strip club, just to be clear. So, um...
2: Not to be confused with the dancers.
0: And I carried a briefcase. And the cab driver said, when I got in the cab, are you the new act? So, more to take off, I think he was assuming. Anyway, um my point in telling you that little story is so often the criticism is, well, you should do it this way because that's the way it's always been done. Or that's the way they do it, which is not necessarily the way you do it. If people cannot bring all of themselves to work, then they are not going to be as effective. You need to be who you are. Now, that doesn't mean you can't learn new things, but my first piece of advice would be learn to distinguish between criticism on style, and feedback about performance. Feedback about performance tends to uh, not have a lot of adjectives around it. It tends to be more fact-based. Feedback about impact tends to be focused on talking about a problem or a result. Here was a goal, you failed to achieve that goal. Why do you think you failed to achieve that goal? Here was a team, the team wasn't brought in, why not? Criticism that uh, uses a lot of adjectives tends to be about style or appearance, not substance. Second thing I would say is try not to react in the moment. Very hard. Try not to react in the moment. Whatever, let's assume. Give most people the benefit of the doubt. They're trying to help me. Assume that. I always assume the best of someone until they prove the worst. But until they prove the worst, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Assume someone's trying to be helpful. And so, before you react, pause. Say something like, you know, I really need to think about that. I'd like to think about that. Thank you. And then go think about it. Pause. Reflect. Do not react. And then go back and tell this, whoever it is, what you actually think. I think this was valid. I don't think this was valid. I think we have a misunderstanding. I think, go have an honest conversation. Feedback and criticism, feedback or criticism, are an opportunity to have a substantive conversation that builds a relationship if done in the right way and that may help you perform better if heard in the right way. I hope that helps. Thank you.
2: Hi, uh, thank you for coming. I have to say that you were probably one of my favorite candidates in the last uh, campaign run that you had. I thought that you and uh, Rand Paul had the most sensible ideas. So my first, since nobody's behind me, I'm gonna ask two questions. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, My first question is, what is your future in politics? I was disappointed when, I thought you were gonna run for the Senate, my second question is, how can we get involved with
0: your nonprofit? Ah, okay. So if you want to get involved, or if you want to learn more, seriously, it's very easy. Text Carly, C-A-R-L-Y, to 345-345. Mm-hmm. And tell us who you are, and we will reach out. We have wonderful coaching opportunities. We have a fantastic director of coaching. Most of our coaches uh, work with us part-time. We train you up in the curriculum, or there may be other ways you wanna get involved, but we'd, we'd love to hear from you, and we will absolutely contact you. What is my future in politics? I don't know. Uh, the reason I didn't run for Senate, I think the Senate is a completely dysfunctional body, and honestly, I didn't have much interest in being part of that body. I went into politics because I run to problems. I saw a lot of problems. And as I tried to express before, what I've learned being in politics is the system is geared to winning and winning over and over again. And so if you think about it as citizens, may I just say, the system doesn't serve us well. Think about any problem you care about right now. I'm not gonna go off on this too long, but pick your problem. Deficits. Foreign wars, immigration, health care, veterans affairs, pick one. Have they been solved? Do we feel as though we're making progress? Actually, no. And the reason is because getting people focused on a problem and getting people mad about a problem tends to help win elections. People get revved up, they give money, but it's not solving the problem. And so I've sort of concluded that our politics, which I think is so often downstream of culture, our politics won't change unless we change it, which is why I'm focused on building up problem solvers and problem solving skills and lifting up leaders wherever they are. But I've lived long enough to say never say never, so I don't have a plan, remember? I just have a path.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Hello, my name is Sadia Lau. Um, I'm an undergraduate at the business school. I'm a marketing and theater major. And we're at a time where the rich get richer and the poor stay poor. So what are your thoughts on diversity and inclusion and turning prosperity into equity in order to help progress the lives of women and people of color? And what are ways you're implementing
0: strategies within your own company? OK, so. <laughs> That's a big question and it's a really important question. And by the way, one of the things that problem solving requires is clear-eyed realism. We use a tool called current state, future state analysis and we start by asking people to be clear-eyed, realistic, complete, and compelling about our current state. I start with that because our current state is indeed that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, that's a fact. Our current state is also that we have a long-standing systemic issue that the history of slavery in this country has created and that we are not solving. And you see it in all kinds of ways. A clear-eyed assessment is also to say that corporate America today spends $8 billion a year on diversity and inclusion training and we are making very little progress. If you look at boardrooms in America today, what you would find is that people of color and women are less than 16% of boards. And that number hasn't moved in 25 years, despite $8 billion a year. We're not making progress. So, you have to start by acknowledging all of that. The systemic, endemic consequences of slavery. The reality that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and that there are structural impediments to prosperity and success and the reality that we can spend a lot of money and talk a lot of talk and it ain't getting better. Let's just start with all that. So what am I doing in my world? Because I can't, you know, none of us can affect a theoretical problem. We can only impact our world and the problems we face. So what am I trying to do? I have built an extremely diverse team. And we use that diverse team to go into communities that are disadvantaged. So the reason we work with the homeless community in Washington, D.C., is Those people have potential, they can solve problems, but they are absolutely overlooked. The reason we are working on health equity outcomes in Ward 8 is because the life expectancy of an individual who lives in Ward 8 in Washington, D.C. is 27 years below a person who lives 10 miles away, and that is a structural, systemic issue. That's what I can do in my world, that's what I will continue to do in my world, and what I would say is people closest to the problems usually know how best to solve them. And so when I talk about asking questions, we go into communities and ask questions. The reason we work with the Center for Black Equity is because they probably know more than I do about things that will help level the playing field, bring equity and prosperity to people regardless of their circumstances or their appearance.
1: So I think we have two more folks to ask questions, and then we will go to the reception. Hi, my name is Jerry, and I just graduated in May, and I just started working in October. (laughs) And so for somebody who has just started out their career, um, what advice do you have for how I can cultivate my leadership skills from the bottom up in order to manage up with the goal of developing my own leadership skills, but to also help develop the leaders on my team as well. Earlier you mentioned that um, oftentimes like subordinates can prove to be mentors to you, and so I guess what I'm asking for is any like best practices that you have seen from your subordinates that have helped you become a better leader today.
0: So the short answer to your question is solve the problems that are right in front of you and collaborate with the people who are right around you. Now that sounds really basic. But it gets a little bit harder when I tell you that management is not the same as leadership. So what do managers do? By the way, managers are good people. They're important. But a manager produces acceptable results, maybe even excellent results, within existing constraints and conditions. Leaders change constraints and conditions. And you can't solve a problem unless you're willing to change constraints and conditions. When you go into companies or an organization, frequently the message you get is manage. Do your job. Stick to your lane. Follow the process. And you get a lot of signals from people saying, why do you think you can solve that problem? I mean, just stick to your job. And yet... The only way you unlock your own potential, the only way you unlock potential around you is to actually solve problems. And by the way, that's also what brings people together. You can get the fastest way to bring a diverse team together and get it to a high performing level is to give it a really tough problem. And people figure out, with help, how to work together effectively to solve that problem or achieve that goal. So look for problems. Ask the people who work for you what they, what they think and be prepared when somebody comes to you and says, who do you think you are? Why are you trying to solve that problem? That's not your job. The status quo always has enormous power, always. It's why leadership is hard. It's why it takes courage. It's why you're gonna get criticized. The status quo, even if it's very unsatisfying, has power because there are people invested in the status quo. There are people who have succeeded in the status quo. And so, to change it, which is what you got to do, to change the order of things for the better and solve problems, you have to be brave. One little tool that I used early on, I asked my subordinates to give me feedback. This was before 360 feedback was a thing. I asked my subordinates, tell me, how you think I'm performing as your boss. What would you like, what do you want me to do, continue to do? What do you want me to stop doing? What do you want me to change or do differently? And it's amazing what you learn, but you have to be certain that you are creating a safe environment where people can actually tell you the truth and you're actually gonna hear what they're telling you. I hope that helps. Yes.
1: Hi, Carly. Thank you for all the points that you've made so far. Uh, I'm Dana, a neuroscience major, business minor. I have a question for you. What advice would you give for somebody who is currently in the process of starting her business, um, or company, facing a lot of criticism, especially not very, like, supportive one, uh, and, like, kind of, like, a lot of closed doors who would essentially starting the company because she sees it as something that will solve problems, as you're saying? Starting anything
0: new is difficult. And so encountering closed doors is part of it. So you shouldn't take that personally. It's hard to do something new. <laughs> people get stuck in the way things are. It's why the way things stay the way they are for a really long time because people get stuck there. So don't take it personally when people have a hard time seeing what the value in the new thing that you're trying to talk to them about. Second, sometimes when someone, it feels like someone is rejecting you, maybe what they're actually doing is giving you some feedback about, well, you know, I really like this, but maybe you ought to think about that. So take that on board. Get a thick skin is the first part. Take on board what's really valuable to you. Which means you have to be humble, and you have to be, uh, you can't get so wedded to an idea that hasn't been proven, that you're not flexible enough and adaptive enough to change that idea. And the final thing that I would say is, again, look for the people who are going to lift you up. Even if someone says to you, you know, I don't think you have it 100%, but gives you some supportive comments, lifts you up, stick with those people. Put your energy into those people. You know we're all pretty discerning. You know, we learn pretty quickly who's on your side and who's not, who's trying to tear you down and who's trying to lift you up. Go to the people who lift you up. Hope that helps. Good Thank luck. Thank you. It does. Hi.
2: So what's your advice for uh, people who've uh, experienced burnout in their career?
0: Oh. Ah. Burnout, such an important topic. So why is it that people experience burnout? Maybe it's because they literally aren't getting enough sleep or they're not taking care of themselves. So, I mean, it may be literally a physical burnout. In which case, the most important thing you can do is get some rest. I I know it sounds... I've had to actually order, and I don't do that very often subordinates to take a break because it's clear they're just not functioning be honest you are not functioning well if you're getting no sleep you're not taking care of yourself and you're not eating right you're just not you're not functioning well so go get some rest but often burnout isn't actually physical it's not actually that you're too tired it's that you're emotionally burnt out or you're spiritually burnt out, or you're just overwhelmed by all the things that you have to juggle. And in each of those cases, I think it is the equivalent of get some rest, meaning pause, reflect, think through what is so soul-crushing about what I'm going through now. We've all had times that were soul crushing and then we've had times when we are working incredibly hard and we just feel joyful and energized. Think it through, why am I so burnt out? Is it because I don't believe in what I'm doing anymore? Is, beca- is it because I hate the people I'm doing it with? Is it because I'm not having any impact? Is it because it turns out I had a plan and I don't like the plan anymore and gee, I actually do have to drop out of law school because I can't do this anymore? Pause and reflect and refresh yourself. And the reason that's so incredibly important to do is because you will crush your own potential and your own ability for impact if you allow yourself to continue to be burnt out. And you're worth the investment in a pause and a reflection. So I think the people in line, those will be our last questions for the
2: evening. And uh, then we can go to the reception. My name is Abby, and um, I'm a senior. I'll be graduating in May. And I was just, I guess, wondering how you would define success, uh, given your, I guess, years of like vast mm-hmm. experience in the workplace how would you define you know success I guess some people have this idea like success is this this is not you know success that kind of thing and um, my second question is I know you said it's not the best option to have a plan but rather to have a path usually I'm the type of person that likes to like you know like have everything mapped out you know this and this and this you know just keep going just to like make everything easier so I guess what advice would you
0: give to me regarding that I think a and I wouldn't have known this when I was your age I wouldn't have known this 20 years ago I think a successful life is not measured in time or title or position or power or money although having more of many of those things can be a very good thing I think a successful life is measured in love, in moments of grace, and in positive contribution and impact. So, when I choose my days, I strive to spend my time in a way that will bring me more love, more moments of grace, and more positive contribution and impact. It's okay to have part of a plan. You know, it's okay to say, this is the industry that I want to go work in when I graduate. When, it gets, when a plan gets to be a problem is when your entire happiness or sense of self-worth depends upon the achievement of a very specific goal. One of the stories I tell in the book is a story about one of my uh, great colleagues and teammates who, uh, when I made the decision to drop out of the presidential race, I don't mind a tough challenge, but there was no path. So it was time to get out. And my team was devastated. And the day after we made that decision, we came, or the day before we made that decision, we'd come home late at night. It was a disappointing primary in New Hampshire. And he rings the doorbell. He was my campaign manager. I open the door. He's devastated, distraught, looks like he's been up all night. And he said, wow, Carl, I mean, you look great, you're happy to... I had not set my heart on a plan to be president. I was prepared to win the job. I was prepared to lose the job and do something else. I wanted to make a difference, but the position, the title, the money, the power, those are planned destinations. And those don't feed your soul. So have a little bit of a plan. Just make it fuzzy enough that you can see the opportunities that come along and you can change your mind if you need to.
1: Thank you. Hi Carly. Um Zara Sayed. Uh, thank you so much for giving back to the Turp community and also in just in general for what you do, you know, to give back to the community. Um uh, my question is about feeding the soul. What do you personally still have left on your bucket list? Mm-hmm. Where is one place in the world you have not been that you, are, that you would love to go to? And lastly, how do you feel about being um, an American citizen versus a global citizen?
0: Wow, it's a very thoughtful question. So, so perhaps consistent with my path over plan mentality, here's how I would answer your first question. What's still on my bucket list? What's the one place I haven't been? I don't think about it quite that way. Here's what fuels me, and it's always fueled me. Here's what brings me joy. There is a look that people get when they do something they thought they couldn't do. When they achieve more than they thought they could. We all know the look. I mean, maybe we see it in our kids' eyes, or we see it in, there's a look. And I've been enough places in the world and, worked with enough different kinds of people that I know, that look is the same the world over. It doesn't matter whether it's men or women or boys or girls or people of color or whites, it doesn't matter. The look is the same everywhere. That look is fuel. So what I want to do is see more of that look in places, maybe in particular, where you don't see that look very often. Because I know, I know from experience, everybody has potential more than they realize, regardless of their circumstances and appearances. The second part of your question I've now forgotten. So what was the second part? uh, Hello, where would you love
1: to go that you still haven't been?
0: I don't know, there are a lot of places I haven't been. Maybe, maybe I would have to say now, although I'm a little afraid to do it, which is probably why I should, Antarctica. I've never been there, but I probably won't see the look in Penguin's eyes, so maybe not. <laughs> thank you so much for Thank coming. you for such great questions, and thank you all for being here. That's all for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can visit CarlyFiorina.com or iTunes for more episodes. And make sure you subscribe to By Example, so you never miss an episode. To receive updates and exclusive offers, text by example to three four five three four five. And while you're at it, you can send us feedback on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Carly Fiorina, or by email at byexample at carlyfiorina.com. As always, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Carly Fiorina, and this is By Example.